0: Hey Conjurers, I'm Steph and I'm Sham. Mothers are superheroes and today is nationally dedicated to honoring them. For some it's a party, a trip to the spa, or a simple day of peace and quiet to themselves. It's supposed to be a day to show moms how appreciated they are. Today we have a story of how for one family Mother's Day became something else entirely when their mom disappeared without a trace. Suzanne Morphew was born on April 30, 1971, to Jean and Adrienne Mormon. Jean and Adrienne owned a popular restaurant in Anderson, Indiana, called Jean's Root Beer Drive-In. Suzanne was that kind of person that everyone just liked. She was kind, sweet, and soft-spoken. She never tried to get noticed. She just had a natural beauty about her that drew everyone's attention. As a teenager, Suzanne was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and the doctors told her that due to the harsh treatments she underwent, children weren't likely to be in her future. She eventually beat the cancer, and at age 17 started dating her future husband, a local boy named Barry Morphew. Suzanne and Barry were married in 1994 at the age of 23, and spent most of their 20s just enjoying each other's company. In the early 2000s, the couple was blessed with a daughter who they named Mallory, and a few years later had another little girl named Macy. Suzanne loved her family more than anything. She was so thankful to be a mama, it wasn't guaranteed for her, and she never took for granted that she was blessed twice.
1: Wow, what a strong individual to get through all of high school fighting that battle.
0: Right? And to be told she would never be able to have kids and overcome that too? She's an inspiration.
1: I'm sure she appreciated life more than the average person.
0: After beating cancer, I'm sure it's easy to understand that Suzanne was very passionate about her health. She was super fit and active, and her friends said she could tell she loved working out and loved being at the gym. She did everything she could to be healthy, but in early 2018, her cancer returned and she began treatments again. The family moved from Indiana to Salida, Colorado in the spring of 2018 while Macy was still in high school, after Mallory moved to Colorado for college. Suzanne was less enthusiastic about the move than Barry was, but in the end, she wanted to be near her daughter, too. The family settled in, buying a $1.5 million house in the nearby area of Maysville and started putting down roots. Barry was a landscaper working at a company owned by a close friend of his. He was also a volunteer firefighter for the Chafee County Fire Protection District. Suzanne became very active at Grace Church in Salida and spent a lot of her time volunteering there. Suzanne continued her cancer treatments in Colorado, and the family celebrated her final treatment on October 1st, 2019. Suzanne was so happy on the day of her last treatment. She was still going in for maintenance treatments, but the chemo was done and she was doing great.
1: Okay, so there were a little bit of setbacks, but so far so good.
0: Moving away from family and everything you've ever known must be so hard, but they made the best of it. It can't all be that great, though. Something bad always happens to the good people on this
1: podcast. What's the story?
0: You know you're right. Exactly one year ago, on May 9th of 2020, at around 2 p.m., Suzanne was chatting with her best friend over social media about an upcoming wedding. According to her friend, Suzanne suddenly stopped responding for several hours. Then after hours of unusual silence, several of her friends and family received messages from her profile, but they seemed odd and out of character. No one thought much of it, thinking she must have been trying to multitask and not fully focusing on the conversation. The next day, May 10th was Mother's Day, but the girls were traveling back from an Idaho camping trip and Barry had to leave early that morning for a job in Denver. Suzanne was going to have the place to herself for most of the day. Barry left for Denver at 5 a.m. without waking Suzanne and sent a Happy Mother's Day text for her to wake up to. Hours later, Mallory and Macy called Barry to told him that they couldn't get a hold of their mom. She wasn't answering texts or calls. At that point, Barry realized he'd never got a response to his Happy Mother's Day text either. Barry called a neighbor and asked her to check on Suzanne.
1: Okay, that makes sense. My husband knows better than to wake me up before 6 a.m. for anything. I'd often give him a kiss before leaving to work because he's a morning person, but he wouldn't dare wake up this beast out of her slumber.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just a text, though. I'd want flowers or a card or something on the table for when I woke
1: up. True that. Like, dude, I carried your babies for 10 months at a time. Get
0: your shit together.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So did the neighbors end up checking on her?
0: The neighbor walked through the house calling for Suzanne, but told Barry that there wasn't anyone there and her car was still there. He asked her to go back and see if Suzanne's bike was missing, because she might have gone for one of her typical rides. The neighbor confirmed that the bike was missing, but called the local sheriff for a welfare check anyway. Investigators searched the area and found her bike abandoned at the bottom of a steep hill not far from her house, but found no trace of Suzanne. Barry immediately left his team behind to finish the job when he learned his wife was missing and raced home. He speculated that maybe she had been involved in a roadway accident or attacked by a mountain lion. Suzanne's brother, Andrew, disagrees, stating that if she had ridden off that cliff or been attacked by an animal, there would be clear signs of that. There was no blood, no signs of a struggle, nothing. Andrew believes her bike was picked up and thrown over that hill in order to mislead the investigation.
1: If she does typically go on bike rides, it makes sense for him to ask. But if it's once in a while, that was a weird suggestion to make for the neighbor to check for. Who would take her from bed, then take her bike to throw off an investigation? That's a lot of work for a stranger to do.
0: Yeah, maybe she rides every day or something. She was super active. I think her brother means that she went on a bike ride, someone kidnapped her, and then threw her bike over a cliff to make it look like an accident.
1: There's definitely more to go over here.
0: Sham will detail what the investigation has found so far after this short break.
1: The sheriff put together a team of more than 100 searchers within hours of Suzanne being reported missing. They searched the area well into the early morning of May 11th, but found absolutely nothing that could lead them to Suzanne. On May 13th, they expanded their search, calling in help from the FBI, Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and the South Arc Swiftwater Rescue Team. Divers searched the waters around their home, and helicopters searched for signs from her from above. The house was cornered off as part of the investigation, and the investigators asked all residents of the neighborhood to provide all doorbell camera, security, and wildlife camera footage from May 8th through May 12th, just in case. Barry took to social media at this point and posted a video to the public as well as a $200,000 reward for her safe return. In this video, he said, Oh, Suzanne, if anyone is out there and can hear this that has you, please, we'll do whatever it takes to bring you back. We love you. We miss you. Your girls need you. No questions asked, however much money you want. I will do whatever it takes to get you back. Honey, I love you. I want you back so bad
0: his statement was worded in a strange way like he's both talking to her and someone that might be holding her for ransom but i'm sure it's difficult to put into words what you want to say when your loved one is missing
1: yeah but why is he assuming that they want money as if they left a note requesting that
0: maybe a guy who buys a 1.5 million dollar house assumes it's always about money (laughs) okay we know the spouse is always a suspect But Barry had an
1: alibi, right? Well, it wasn't long before the police and the public started questioning Barry's sincerity. According to Barry, he left his house around 5 a.m. the morning of May 10th while Suzanne was still in bed asleep and drove 150 miles to Denver, Colorado to check into his hotel. The hotel records, however, suggest he checked in the day before May 9th. In addition to that, a contractor Barry hired for that job in Denver claims he found an odd scene in Barry's hotel room jeff puckett was hired by barry for an urgent job fixing a wall in denver starting over mother's day weekend jeff arrived at the hotel the afternoon of may 10th and was surprised to hear that barry had rushed home for a family emergency when jeff entered his room he was overcome by the strong smell of chlorine and found wet towels all over the floor at first he thought the pool must be open but discovered it was closed due to COVID concerns Jeff said he could tell someone had used the room, but the bed hadn't been slept in. It just looked like someone kind of laid in it or something. Then Jeff discovered some of Barry's mail in the trash can there in the room. The open mail was something involving insurance of some kind, possibly property insurance, and he turned it all over to the police. Jeff, an ex-convict himself, said it looked like Barry was trying to set up an alibi, in his opinion. The strangest part for Jeff was that when Barry rushed off, he told the workers that he had a family emergency and they would have to figure out the job on their own. The crew couldn't finish the job, though, because they had nothing to work with. The materials and tools needed to do the job like
0: that hadn't been ordered. That is pretty suspicious. The chemical smell is weird, but who brings random mail from home when traveling for a short work trip? And he hadn't prepared the needed materials for the job, so it seems like it was a last-minute or unorganized trip.
1: Okay, so just to play devil's advocate, me and my husband went on a trip to Seattle recently, and the room did smell like cleaning chemicals because of how detailed they are about it since COVID. Also, he could have checked his mail before leaving and planned to look at it when he got there. However, it's super sketchy that he didn't have the materials for the job ready.
0: Those are good points. What did Barry say in his defense? Barry confirmed that he also smelled the strong smell of
1: cleaning supplies in his room before he rushed off, but with coronavirus going around, he assumed it was just how the hotel cleaned the room. Barry insisted that he did nothing wrong at the hotel and the cameras could prove it, as well as the time he arrived. Suzanne's older brother Andrew claims the hotel isn't the only location where the presence of a strong smell was discovered. Andrew says that he heard from the FBI that the Morphew family home reeked of bleach during one of the early searches. The investigators also questioned Andrew about why there were no coolers at the house, which shocked him. Barry was a hunter and loved camping. You would expect the family to have multiple coolers on hand. Barry hasn't said much during this investigation, but he did respond to the allegations in an interview with Fox 21 News. He said, I've heard the FBI lie, and I know that they can legally do that in their investigations, but it just pains me to know that they are doing this to me and my family. I love my wife. I would never hurt my wife. She is the light of me and my daughter's lives. This whole thing is killing us, and this is why I want our privacy.
0: Okay, a bleach smell at the house is suspicious as well, but with the current pandemic, like you said, it's so hard to judge a cleaning supply smell. The lack of coolers does strike me as odd, though. I don't know anyone who doesn't have at least one cooler.
1: Yeah, that is weird the coolers were missing, and we all know what fits perfectly fine into one of those things.
0: Right. So where did the investigation lead next? On May 22nd, the search for Suzanne
1: turned to her husband's recent construction site in Salida, after a nearby resident called in a tip that she heard excavation equipment laying dirt in the middle of the night right before Suzanne went missing. The owner of the property confirmed that Barry was hired to lay dirt at the Riverside property, but was unaware of any late-night hours. Agents sifted through bucket after bucket of dirt and even removed a section of concrete from the property's foundation. Investigators didn't release any information regarding what may have been found, but they did say they have no suspects at this time, and despite the rumors, no one has been arrested. Since Suzanne's disappearance, investigators have received thousands of tips, conducted over 180 interviews, and more than 130 searches. From September 24th through the 29th, her brother Andrew flew in from Indiana and organized a civilian search to go over the previously searched areas again. 700 volunteers came out to search the area Andrew determined to be the most of interest. Andrew believes his sister was murdered at her home and is using the assumption along with the satellite images to create his search area. According to investigators, the search collected several pieces of possible evidence, but no other details were released.
0: It sounds like law enforcement and the community really pulled all the stops to try and find Suzanne.
1: She seemed to be very loved. I wonder if he noticed anything going on in their marriage investigators couldn't share.
0: From what I read, they weren't actually that close, but that doesn't mean he wasn't aware of something we aren't. Around the same time
1: as the private search, cadaver dogs were brought out to several locations of interest by investigators. While the dogs alerted or showed interest in three separate properties, the police reported that none of the hits provided viable evidence. The first alert was along the riverbank a few miles from a vacant lot owned by Barry. The cadaver hit was passive, meaning that there may have been reasonable suspicion, but not probable cause to continue the search. Law enforcement investigated and determined it to be unrelated without any excavation. The second site was a remote area near where Suzanne was suspected to have run her bike. Multiple solid indications were made by two separate cadaver dogs at this location, but just like the first site, it was determined to be unrelated without any excavation. The third location of interest indicated by the dogs was on the vacant lot property owned by Barry. Two separate confirmed indications occurred by separate cadaver dogs on the property. The site was then excavated a day later, and the police reported no remains were found. Barry purchased that plot of land in June, just weeks after Suzanne disappeared. Barry sold the lot in February of 2021 once it was officially cleared by police. In October of 2020, five months after Suzanne went missing, Barry put their house on the market and sold it for $1.6 million. When his motives for selling their house so quickly after her disappearance were questioned, Barry responded that Mallory and Macy were too scared to stay at home any longer
0: after what happened to their mom. Some people have criticized that they didn't dig at the site of every hit, but cadaver dog hits are complicated. The dogs don't know who or what they're looking for other than the smell of decomposition. So investigators have ways to confirm or rule out the hits before getting too far into the excavation process.
1: So it's possible they could have missed her or she
0: wasn't there at all. Exactly. It's clear that the media and Suzanne's brother think Barry killed her, but the evidence against him is so minor. There are so many more questions that need to be answered here.
1: Yeah, Andrew has reportedly blasted Barry for his behavior following Suzanne's mysterious vanishing and strongly suggesting that he was responsible for her murder. Barry has blasted back alleging that Andrew was a bad brother to Suzanne and never showed any interest in her until her headline hitting disappearance. The family in general has stopped communicating with the media at the request of the investigators.
0: This is an active, ongoing investigation, so not all information has been released by investigators. The multi-agency team has made it clear that they currently have no official suspects and do not have enough evidence for an arrest. Suzanne was a kind, generous, and deeply loved mom. Her family, especially her daughters, deserve to know what happened to her. If you have any information related to this case, no matter how insignificant, please call the tip line at 719-312-7530. More than 800 women die every day from complications related to
1: pregnancy or childbirth. Almost all global maternal deaths are preventable by ensuring women have access to quality, respectful, and equitable maternity care. Too few women have access to what they need. Knowing this, Christy Turling Burns founded Every Mother Counts with one mission in mind, to make pregnancy and childbirth safe for every mother everywhere. The organization has a variety of programs, ranging from comprehensive doula care and nutrition classes in America to solar-powered clinics in northern Tanzania. You can get involved by going to everymothercounts.org.
0: To view images, information, and sources from this case, visit our website at crimeandconjure.com. Research and writing for this episode was done by Stephen Sham. Editing of this episode by Denver Fortner Productions with music by Jordan Elena. Be sure to check out our Instagram at Crime and Conjure Podcast for our question of the week.
1: Steph, what's our Conjure Tip of the Week?
0: On this Mother's Day, let's remember the many types of mothering. Stepmothers, adoptive mothers, birth mothers, mothers who have lost their children, mothers of fur babies, mothers of projects, plans, movements, and creative ideas, aunties, mentors, and advisors, mothers of fluid and changing gender, and of course, that mother who sustains and nurtures us all, our Mother Earth. Take a moment today to meditate on the strength and love of the mothers in your life, yourself included if fitting. We are powerful. We are love.
1: I love that. Being a mother isn't about giving birth to tiny humans out of your body. Being a mother is nurturing anything or anyone that needs it. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode.
0: Until Until next time, time, stay stay vigilant, vigilant conjurers. conjurers.